scary ghosts, creepy serial killers, all things that go bump in the night. Enjoy the view from the open shutters. <laughs> Creepsters, I'm Barry Marino. I'm Philip Landry. And this is Open Shutters. And uh, this is our, our last episode of Targeted While Out LGBTQ Hate Crimes. But we are going to do a bonus episode of a movie review of the, the movie Milk next week. Yeah, and with it, like kind of like we did with Boys Don't Cry, because it's an actual um, real event, we'll also get into the real events with that. So, so we, I want, we'll be looking at Harvey Milk's life. We're going to need to watch it, uh, but right the same day that we review it, because it's two over two hours long, and... It's hard to retain that much information when you're my age. We're getting older. I mean, I'm having trouble with memory, yeah. (laughs) So anyway, tonight, um, we first of all, what's going on with you? Uh, Not too much. Did you survive that horrible storm? We had more rain after the storm that had nothing to do with the storm than the storm itself. Oh, God. Every time a little bitty bitty thunderstorm goes... People think we're going to be on our roof screaming and that we're supposed to go to Baton Rouge. We had more flash flood warnings from that other rain that came after the storm than the storm itself. Yeah, really. So, yes, we survived it. We're still here. (laughs) Even Facebook had this I'm okay thing that you posted on there. I mean, really. I loved it when my namesake hurricane, Barry, what was that, like two years ago? And And they would tell me, are you going to evacuate? I said, why? It's a. It's not even a category one. It's a tropical storm, barely in a category one, and it's hitting two hundred miles from here. Mm-hmm. Katrina was a huge cap category five. Right. Well, when you're on your roof screaming for help, don't come to me. I'm like, trust me, I won't, because I won't be on my roof screaming for help. So, uh, yeah. So you survived the horrible storm. So, uh, what, what, what else are we talking about before we get so to our main? What you, what, what you've been watching? Oh, I have been watching a couple of things. So we started watching a thing, a, a new show called Kevin Can F-, F Himself. Kevin Can Fuck Himself. I know a few Kevins that can go F themselves, <laughs> but go ahead. Well, this one is uh, sort of a take on the King of Queens and Kevin Can Wait. And, you know, and all the sitcoms that have the, you know, the fat doofus husband and the pretty wife that's just harried and haggard, just, just completely frazzled because she's driving them crazy but they still love each other in the end and bum 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 in the sitcom well in this show it's a little bit different in this show everything's all nice and everything in one room but as soon as the wife allison kevin's wife allison goes into the kitchen everything gets dark and she has these dark thoughts and she has this other life outside the sitcom and I don't want to give too much away, so I'm not going to say much, but uh, um, some of the cast is pretty good. You have Annie Murphy. You remember her from Schitt's Creek? Oh, yes. Love Annie Murphy. Uh, 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 she was Alexis in Schitt's yes. Creek. Well, in this one, she's playing Allison, Kevin's wife. A totally different character. You have not seen her like this at all. She has a heavy Boston accent. And wow. she's the housewife, you know, the, 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 the pretty housewife that's too good for her husband. 
And then Eric Peterson just does a take on the Kevin Doug character. That's just, it, it's just, he's ten times more obnoxious than Kevin James or Ralph Cramden or any of them. But you ever wondered, don't you think that Kevin and uh, Doug's wife wanted to kill him when she was away from him? You ever thought that maybe Alice Cramden was planning some kind of murder of Ralph? I think they all just wanted to do something. Don't you think Edith Bunker secretly wanted to poison Archie's beer? Probably. Yeah. I, I think so, too. And um, all these wives, you know, they're too good for their husbands. Even Peg Bundy, I'm sure she wanted to, she wanted to poison Al. I mean, come on. When she was tossing the salad and smoking the cigarette, you know what was going yeah, on. Yeah, Marcy around. finds the cigarette button her salad. You know the gears <laughs> were turning. Whenever she was tossing salad, that's And you know Claire Huxtable. You know Claire Huxtable would probably have been glad when Cliff was charged with all those rapes and put in jail, saying, well, I'm away from this doofus. <laughs> so anyway, that's a pretty good one. And also, um, I've been watching... Um, What's that other one I said? Uh, oh, yeah, Manifest. We still watch Manifest, which is pretty good. That's the one where these people get on the plane, and when they land, it's five years later. But they haven't aged anything. Have you seen that show? I've seen it. It's been a while back. I did, I've never... I, I need to go back and give it another chance. Yeah, there's a big controversy about it right now, because NBC canceled it, and Netflix was supposed to pick it up, and they backed out. So now they're trying to sell it to Hulu, or, uh, or Paramount, or, or maybe even Peacock, since it was originally with NBC. They tried to sell it to another format. That's kind of weird, though, why they would sell it up. They just got it, because... I mean, that's something weird going on. So either either somebody well, didn't want to pay whatever... Some well, it, deserves a, it deserves a fourth season, because it's a good show. Yeah. Uh, and I also, I've been watching uh, an older show called Cold Case. And one of the things about it that really... It, it's sadder than any of the cop shows I know... Because it's always somebody who was seriously wrong. For example, there was once a, uh, what, it was a, a gay bashing in 1964. And they, they, you know, they go through trying to find the case. The, the man's mother comes to the cold case unit. They go through and they, and when they finally catch the culprit, they show the guy, the victim, standing there watching the culprit be taken away in the, in the handcuffs and everything. And it's, it's just heartbreaking because you're going like, okay, they're vindicated. Mm. And then, I don't know, that just makes me sad. So, so I've been watching an, a very intriguing show. You know, I've been hooked on watching all, I love watching all these things from different parts of the world. Well, I got, I got, I've been getting hooked on some interesting different um, Korean dramas and came upon this one called, recently got added to Netflix. It's actually a Netflix series called Move to Heaven. And it's about a young Korean man um, who is living with Asperger's. Oh, yeah, you had told me and about that And it one. shows how he navigates life, deals with social awkwardness, while helping run the family business that he, uh, working in the family business that he learned from his, his father. Um, I'm trying not to give too much away, but um, the family business is actually trauma cleaning. So uh, the scenes are everything from elderly people that had died in their homes and their bodies had been there for weeks to actual murder scenes. Wow. Like that. And what they do is they're unlike just people that go and just, oh, clean the place and they're done. Part of what their service that makes it different is 
is they bring the, usually a yellow box with them and they figure out what are the things that were important to these people that connected to the this the deceased say hopes or dreams and they try to collect that in the box and with the clues that are in there sometimes they have to figure out who to give the message to or what the real message was. That actually sounds pretty good. Oh my gosh, it is probably one of the best concepts of a show that I've seen in a very long time. It has a dubbed version. Uh, It also has subtitled. So, y'all really have no excuse. I know dubbing seems a little odd, but hey, if you're not willing to read subtitles, it's easier for you because it's worth... the, The real meaning of the show is so beautiful that it's worth it. Well, you know, I don't have a problem with subtitles, per se, because I used, I'm hard of hearing, so I used the the closed captions on the the TV. But uh, sometimes I'm crocheting while I'm watching TV, and I'm paying attention to what I'm doing, so I can't read the subtitles all the time. So it's better for me to hear something that I understand. Well, I encourage you, Bear. I encourage you. It's it's very endearing and it's a really intriguing concept. And I, there's a lot I have I'm trying to keep under wraps because I want you. I don't not want to spoil this. It is so good, and I hope they come back for subsequent seasons. Okay, so we got Kevin can go f himself, which is on AMC, and it can be. It's you can you can stream it on AMC Plus. Yes. On, yeah. Yeah, is it AMC Plus? Yes. And you have a uh, cold case can be streamed on HBO Max. Okay. And Manifest can be streamed on Netflix. And Move to Heavens on Netflix. All right. So excellent. So uh, there's a couple of you want to tell us about a couple of uh, people haven't heard about it, the coming oh, out yeah, stories. Yeah, we have some coming out stories, and we haven't done coming out stories before, but these are kind of. Um, they're during Pride Month, so they it's think- Pride Month, and these are kind of like least expected coming out stories. First of all, is Carl Nasbitt, the uh, football player. What's his? Um, he's for the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. What is his position? Line? He, no, he's not the lineman. Um, what is his position? This is being yeah. hot. Oh, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> he's so cute. <laughs> Yeah, and I saw a picture of him when he was a teenager. And talk about geek, geek. and hormones uh, does things. It's just like sometimes you. I, I know there's some people I went to school with. They start off in this um. This really. Oh look at this! I'm looking for Carl Nesbitt, and I want to put Carl Jun- Carl's Junior's um. What? Menu. No, 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 you, no, no. You just got beef on the mind, don't you? I got beef on the mind. Yeah, this is one. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure what his position is. I don't know anything about football. You guys got to excuse me. But anyway, he um, he came out. He came out in an interview that he was uh, saying that he uh, that he was a gay man. It yeah, it was a publicly. it was a it was a personal video he had actually taken. They showed it. It was really I, I saw it. It was, uh, and his reasoning for doing it here was he realized it's um, there may be kids like him that are watching. Yeah, it's a good thing. And, and oh, he, he's a defensive lineman. Okay, here it is. He's a defensive lineman. Now uh, there've also been a couple of other football players that have come out. There was Dave Copay, who's now seventy eight. He came out after his career was over. In 1975, I remember there was a nude poster of him right. hanging in a gay bar. I think it was Lafitte's. Yeah. Well, but see, but what makes Carl Nassib important is it's the first active. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's the first time an active one has come yeah. out. And then there's another one that came out in high school named Jake Bain. 
in 2017. Yeah, he came out before he got uh, yeah, before he he got he got in, Liz drafted in. Yeah. And uh but yeah, Carl Nesbitt. Now, a second one is an actor on The Young and the Restless who has been on there for a long time and he formerly was on As the World Turns and he's from New Orleans. He's Nolan's boy. His name is Christian LeBlanc. Okay. His name's Christian LeBlanc, and he was in an interview with Maurice Bernard, who plays uh, Sonny on on uh, General Hospital, interviewed him, and he was talking about homophobia. And he said, uh, our job is, is, as actors, our job is to be honest about mental health, about sexual preferences, and about things you don't hear in history books. And see, he, so that after joking about his uh, first meeting, he said he was comparing ages. He said, so uh, he, he was said to, to uh, Maurice, who's in his 50s, he said, I'm 63, so you're a tiny tight to me. Now, he discussed his brother who died of AIDS 25 years ago and, uh, and lamented the fact that in the regular rhythm of an, uh, of an education, we're not exposed to so many things that are the main force driving people. So therefore, we're pretty much in a bubble with the people who are driven by the same things. And he said, if you're different, your feelings don't conform, then you think you're just the bizarre one. He says, it's not until after Stonewall it took, people took a gay man seriously. So then he followed that with, I still live with the legacy of a gay man. Mm. There, I still don't hold my husband's hand, of tw- his husband of 28 years' hand in public. Can't do it. Because it'd be the generation he's from. He's well, from- it's not just generation. Like, I get it. Like, for some of us that have grown up in the South, it's taken longer for us. Like, I, I, I'm not saying I'm not affectionate at some level with my partner. We've been together 14 years. But there's areas, there's places where... Yeah, I'm well, gonna, yeah, I'm gonna, some places. Especially with my, my social anxiety problems, I, I'm actually... It's not that I'm not going to admit that I'm gay, if somebody asks. No, it's not like that. But I'm afraid with like public displays of affection, things like that, in certain settings, and and living in the South, it gets scary when you go out to certain rural areas and stuff. It, well, you know, Lance is is the king of PDA. Oh no, you have the opposite. PDA. Situ- you have the opposite situation. I got somebody who want who is inappropriately, yeah, a little <laughs> grabby sometimes. We got in a big fight in a Mexican restaurant one time because he got too grabby, and and there were little old ladies in the table next to us. And he's telling me they can't see us. I said, we're in spitting distance of them. How can you say we can't see it? We- also, he'll talk about things, and there's, like, children right on the table behind, and I'm like, Lance, there's kids. There's kids. Yeah, but he'll say that to me. He'll, but he'll, if, if he thinks I'm Yeah, he'll say things to you, and I'm, like, and I'm like sitting at the table with y'all, and I'm seeing, like, the children. Like, sometimes if I'm not behind. thinking that I'm talking, he'll go, kids over there. <laughs> he does that. Yeah, but he's the one that messes, forgets that sometimes. But anyhow... But, uh, but no, but I can definitely, Christian LeBlanc can see where, you know, it's, it's still, for some people, it's still in their framework of mind that, that, that we can't get past. We're, and we hope that the younger generations can find a way to get past that, not have to have that stigma that sits with some of us that are, say, older or some of us that have grown up more rural, southern But area. what seems really odd is soap operas, a big, big chunk of the only of daytime soaps are gay men. The drama. Yeah. 
And why do soap opera actors have to be afraid to come out? Because sometimes a segment of their audience sees them as, especially if the character's straight, sees them as... Well, yeah, because he plays Michael, uh, who's like married to Lauren, one of the main divas on there. And and, and some fans get disappointed. I mean, I, I think hopefully we're moving past that as generations move you know, forward, but yeah. It's I gotta happen. admit, when they had uh, Willow on Buffy the Vampire Slayer become a lesbian, I had a problem with it. Not because I have a problem with a lesbian, but I have a problem with the way it was executed. Oh, a lot of things were not executed It was executed made to well look like a choice, rather than you either are or you aren't. I mean, this girl was chasing after Xander and, Xander and pining for him, and couldn't wait to have a boyfriend. And then all well, of a you got to look at the time frame of how they were handling it back then. And yeah. then she says something when the character of Tara gets killed is that Tara looked at it a certain way, and that's when she. So that gave a, a it was like desperation, like she would just go with anybody who loved her. Yeah. And I was glad, but I was glad of one thing. I was one was glad that one, once they made her, they changed the character to being gay. She stayed that way. She didn't just go running back to men. You know. Which that would have been really terrible. Yeah, that would have been strange. That wouldn't have helped anything. No. So the other thing we want to talk about in the news, yes, everybody, if you haven't noticed what's on, if there are news specials with it now, everyone's covering it. It is the um, the conservatorship trial for Britney Spears, and Britney Spears is actually, you know, she is providing testimony and. She's really ripping to shreds her own family. She's ripping to shreds some of these uh, these so-called paid psychologists or whatever therapists that were out there. She's really showing how all these people work together to kind of put her in this sort of mental prison for the last 13 years. Well, yeah. To control her money. And you know that ex-husband's part of that. Probably at some level. Because where would he? But the dad is. Regardless of the ex-husband, though, the dad is just horrible. Uh, Jamie Spears. You know how we can say at the end we just say fall out the window. Jamie Spears can fall out that goddamn window for all he's done to Britney. Well, you know what? Britney's got a big, 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 big ally. She's got Cher. Oh, and that's a good thing. (laughs) Because Cher is right up there and share share is i got to admit share is smart on politics law all that y'all do not sleep on share share knows her shit well i'm tell you it. what it is share's been through a lot she was totally under sunny bono's control and then supposedly david geffen got out of her but he was just as controlling as sunny yeah. so she finally she broke free and made something and did it herself. She and Tina Turner are like the poster children for that kind yeah. of thing. And we also have to thank recently, looking at what Kesha went through and also what Taylor Swift has gone through, different situations, yeah. but still situations where women said, enough is enough about my autonomy, my work, my money. What I have is mine. I own it. You know, And that's where, that's where Britney Spears is at. She's like, I own myself. Well, she's know. saying no more, I grew, and she need, she's right. I grew up in an Italian family, so I know what Cher went through. So Sonny Bono is, was a typical Italian man. Everything she she found out that the name of the company was Cher Enterprises, and her name was on the company, and she didn't own any of it. Yeah, 
And, and, and you're wondering, like, oh, why are we talking about these celebrities, things like this? Well, yeah, these are high profile. This is involving a lot of money. But this happens at smaller scales to people. Oh, yeah. People end up in these weird little conservative ships oh, or these... guardianships or things, and, and they get trapped. Just... And we talked about this, remember, when we were talking about that show a while back. Uh, I got my brain. The I care a lot. I care a lot, yeah. So, I mean, this can happen... If, if you're sitting out there thinking, oh, this can happen to me. It's not, yes, it can happen to Especially you. Especially when level. you get older. And as you get older. But just to say if you had a mental crisis, this could happen to you. And some of y'all, I would hope you have good family, but it's not to say your family might not even turn on you. It's possible. So just really I am behind the Free Britney movement because in all honesty – this there's there's times I see in my own life, even though I may not have had the level of defining or whatever, I could see where people could have tried to take control of my life. Yeah. So. Oh yeah, I've had I have had. And, and, uh, and thanks to Cher, right? For back I was in a situation with a relative where I lived in their house and they were also my boss at work, and I had a. I I didn't realize what a bad situation I was in until it was over. Cause, because I um, I was under this person's thumb. I had to walk on eggshells. So I was glad. I'm glad that that was over. So I know, I know that. Uh, I know that it's. Uh, I know you 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 could be under. You could get wound up under somebody's control, with through no fault of your own, just through circumstance. You could wind up in a bad situation. They take you and they help you, and then they feel as though. They own you. Well, I hope. I think it's going to be more of a judge decision. This is not. This is not a kind of thing with the jury or whatever. So I'm hoping the judge really comes through and does right by Britney. So okay. free Britney. Free Britney. Uh, you got an obit for us? Yeah, one obit this week. You told me it was a bizarre. It's one. a bizarre one. Okay, okay. it's uh, all you guys know this name. You all have their software on your computers, on your tablets. The antivirus software, the McAfee. Well, John McAfee is the founder of this software. And he was found dead in a Spanish prison when he was getting ready to be extradited to the U.S. for tax evasion. He was 75 years old. He was awaiting extradition. And after being charged with tax evasion in the United States last year, he fled to Barcelona. And uh, they got him. They arrested him, but they put him in jail, and his he had a cellmate. They took the cellmate for something, I don't know, some medical thing or something. He came back, and John McAfee was hanging. He killed himself by hanging. Bizarre. Really bizarre. Yeah. So, um, wild. I, he, I guess he really didn't want to go to prison. He really didn't want to go. So, anyway, um, and the final two decades of McAfee's life were somewhat bizarre series of events. In 2012, he was briefly vanished after fleeing his home in Belize because local police tried to question him on the death of his neighbor. He has denied involvement in the death and claimed that he fled because he feared for his life. And he spent time in Guatemala, moved to Montreal, Canada, and he worked on a documentary about his life. And he ran for U.S. president in 2016 as a libertarian. He ran against Donald Trump and, and Hillary Clinton. Oh, that was it? I didn't even... You know, I didn't piece together what you just said, it, but I do remember seeing his name, and it wasn't... Oh, that's wild. Okay. Yeah, so... Yeah. 
So anyway, that's our one death. John McAfee dead at uh, 75 years old by suicide. So you... Well, tell the listeners about the Patreon account. Oh, yeah, the Patreon. Why I always forget that thing? Is that a senior <laughs> thing? Or is Have that you just... given up on it? I <laughs> tell them. Okay, uh, you can join up. Uh, you want to give us some support. We uh, have a Patreon account, and we have three tiers. We have... Uh, uh, all our tiers are named after notorious New Orleans murderers. Uh, entry level is Antoinette Frank, the killer cop. And that one is $5 a month. And uh, middle tier, mid tier is the Axeman. They are the Axeman, uh, the notorious serial killer from the early 20th century. And that one is $10 a month. You get a little bit more on that than you do on a $5 a month. Now, the big premium one is Madame LaLaure, that notorious woman that tortured, murdered, and abused her slaves, or, his, or I'd rather say enslaved people. That's, I don't know, it's, not, it's more PC, but I, I think it sounds better. I'm not one for all the PC woke stuff, but that sounds better. And uh, she um, she was uh, probably the most notorious serial killer in history. But anyway, her tier is $25, but you get all kinds of cool shit. You get t-shirts, tote bags, coffee mugs, a print autographed by us. Yes. What else do they have? There's an, isn't there um, the t-shirts, coffee mugs, the print, tote bag. the tote bag. There's one other thing I can't remember what it was. Anyway, that's a, that's the premium one, and you're also going to get access to some of our live shows. Uh, we just did an interview today, and we may be doing a live show from a Twelfth Night party next year. We might. It was an excellent interview. Because we, we actually, it was a man named Mr. Frank Perez. Yeah, if you're listening to this one, it really is a good... Let's give his book a... His book. You got any of the titles, any of his books? We well, the one we were mainly talking about was In Exile. In Exile. That he co-authored with Jeffrey Palmquist. And then, and then he had the Southern Decadence. Southern one. Decadence uh, book. But yeah, um, if you want, actually, go, go more... The thing is, is go listen. Kind of. I know if you're listening to this one, which is about... Uh, a heinous act that was done happened in New Orleans. You definitely, it's good to go listen to the Frank Perez interview because there we really examine the bar culture of New Orleans and the gay culture of New Orleans. Plus, much more. And it will make you by listening to all the wonderful stories and all the dental history there. It'll make you come back. And if you listen to this again, or it make you think about listening to this one as you're listening to this one, how sad this truly is. Though. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, um, and he's also he's running for district. Um, uh, New Orleans City Council District C, and uh, if you want to donate something, what is it? What's it, the website? www.frankperezcitycouncil.com, I believe it. It's on. He, uh, he has. Uh, it. He say, stated it on he, the he interview. He states it on the interview, and you know, um, and FrenchQuarterFrank.com is his uh, his website. Yeah, and it has right. about all of his personal. So. Things. We got uh, we we got all that out the way. Now we want to get to our horror. Oh, you know what time it is? It's horoscope. It's time. weekly horror. Okay, no, that, that's no mute. No, no, no. <laughs> Stop. I'm not allowing you to put a jingle on my weekly horoscope. Oh, it's a, that's a take on its holly duty time. Uh, I, I know it's not that time. <laughs> it's what weekly, time is it? Getting? It's weekly it's horoscope. horoscope time. <laughs> it's horoscope time. We're talking about the children. Guess what? 
Yeah, I'm we're sending all you little song. bitches to summer camp, honey. And you won't let them sing. Well, they can sing while they're at summer camp because I, okay. yeah, I won't be there. That's they can't fine. sing at horoscope time. Or will I be there? We'll find out. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> we'll see. Anyhow, bitches, get on the bus because we're sending y'all out to summer camp. Let's start with Aries. Now, here's what we're going to do. We're going to tell you which activity at summer camp you're going to die or be killed from. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, Aries. gonna die and get killed. In or get killed stuff. from, yeah. Aries is going to be for swimming in the lake. Oh, that'll do it. <laughs> what you got to say about well, that? Is, is Jason going to pop up and grab him like he did? They the can have that. The, the creature from the Black Lagoon. Big old octopus tentacle come out. So octopus tentacles. Just being simple and dumb and drunk and just. just Drowning and shit. Yeah, Jason's gonna get him. That'll do enough. You know, some Aries get drunk enough. That's probably they just killed him. What a sleepaway camp when they found out the girl was a boy at the end. Did you ever see that movie? I think it's been a while. Well, it was this movie. This poor girl, she was being bullied throughout all of it. These murders, what happened? And she, everybody thinks she's in trouble. And then at the end, you find out she's a killer and she's standing there naked with a penis. All right, hey. All right. <laughs> Next, we got Taurus. Taurus. <laughs> what boat. are you? Where? When are y'all gonna die while roasting marshmallows? Oh, what's gonna happen? The big old flame gonna come out on them? Well, at least they got to enjoy some s'mores. Somebody gonna, somebody gonna come up and squirt some gasoline on the fire? <laughs> oh, what about the wildfire? What's that thing from? It's coming at them. Oh, uh, that's one of my other signs is going to deal with that oh, bullshit. Okay. Say that's that. No, they're going to be all right. Taurus, yeah. Taurus is just whatever. Spray some lighter fluid on there. Something, something like that might happen. More lighter fluid. Yeah, but there's another sign. When marshmallows get toasted. Another sign later on gets kicked by a possible wildfire. When marshmallows will definitely get toasted. Gemini. That's Roz, huh? Well, the way you die is by hanging around the tetherball pole. Especially when the thunderstorm comes through. <laughs> If that's how Rod's there, it's a large target. Crash of lightning. He's a big target, so, you know. The thunder rolls. <laughs> there we go, ball, hitting him in the balls. <laughs> Don't they say it smells like a barbecue? No. <laughs> well, and uh, with, with his barbecue, searing flesh. Yeah, really. You think they about do it. say the actual pork barbecuing does smell like human flesh as well. Because they say pigs and humans have very close flesh. Well, they use that in CSI all the time to, to check the... Um... So it means we taste like pork? Apparently. We don't taste like chicken? Like, what, you going to get you some rack of ribs? I ain't going to get no rack of ribs. Leave them rack of ribs <laughs> okay, alone. We, we really have gone to now another I'm level. Think twice. I think it's going to be brisket all the way when I go to Dickie's Barbecue. <laughs> Are you going to make sure they're grass-fed... Uh, Rack of ribs uh, no, or not? No, no. I mean, do you want the vegan or do you want the? No, I don't eat anything vegan. You, you know, you're not eating the I vegan. I won't rib. eat an Impossible Whopper because there's kale in it. No, I was talking about the person who was the vegan eating their ribs. No, I'm joking. Oh. <laughs> Being grass. Oh. <laughs> oh, the vegans are gonna come after me now. Oh my god! Like, why are you telling people to cannibalize us? Yeah. Oh well. Come on, it's fucking horoscopes, bitch. If you can't handle it, this ain't the podcast. <laughs> no. But if you're still with us, let's continue along. Cancer. Oh, that's me. 
You, you know where you know why you're gonna die or where you're gonna die? While kissing on a canoe. Oh, something romantic and and be old full moon and everything. Yeah, but I have questions. Is it the person you kissed? <laughs> Did they not want to kiss? Like, what's the deal? Why? I don't know. I've kissed some frogs before, so. And they and they turned into they they turned into ratchet hoes. Not yeah, they princes. turned into ratchet hoes. Uh, not princes. Not princes. Um, alcoholics. A few of them turned. Druggies. <laughs> male strippers with giant egos. Oh, God. All things that Ugh. go bump in the night. <laughs> they bump and bump in the night. Yeah, wow. okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. How do you think I have open shutters, you know? <laughs> Are you always looking behind you? Always. Oh, yeah. Always. <laughs> But they all dead, but I'm still looking behind me because you had just racked up like exes and and former flings and oh you, yeah you have had an illustrious uh yes and out of all of those what, what, what weren't maybe you, two of them or something weren't you a slut of. puppy to begin with no. well I was in the show that was I the name know, of the I'm show just, I was in. I'm just picking <laughs> but weren't you in real life no oh shut up I had to throw that load in there. yeah I had to throw that in yeah, yeah. I'll get you back. <laughs> you're always trying to get me back I survive I'm like what am I I'm like a, I'm like a you like the, 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 the horror movie monster I just keep coming back you're like Donald Trump you just keep coming back okay please don't refer to me as Donald no <laughs> I knew that would get you <laughs> that might get you killed that might get you killed yeah I knew I would get to you on, on something alright right, yeah, Leo Curtis y'all gonna die doing a tug of war during a goddamn tug of war. So he's going to be like five other people against this one 400 pound person. And when they pull it, this guy's going to come and crush everybody. Yeah, and Leo's going to get the full impact. Oh, poor the- Curtis. Curtis couldn't do a tug of war. He could. Right, right. Hmm. It, it could never happen. But then again, on the other hand, Tug of War is just trying to get in and out of the bathroom during Southern Decadence. Oh, that's not a tug of war. That's that, that's a, you, you, well, I don't know what you'd call that. That's an act of war. Yeah, that's an act of Congress. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah play- there's an old song, there Ain't Nowhere to Pee on Mardi Gras Day. You ever heard that? <laughs> <laughs> that's the same problem. Mardi Gras another time. Yeah, that's the same goddamn yeah. shit. Uh, well, Virgo, get ready. These are the ones... They gonna die by the by campfire storytelling, because the Santa Ana winds are probably gonna come oh, blow that's through. They're, oh, that's they're the ones where it's gonna blow the through on the ass, gonna get. and they're gonna actually cause the forest fire and get in, in, engulfed in it. Yeah. So they'll be all skeletal bones when it all passes. So Virgos, do us all a favor, have somebody else light the fire, or just don't even fucking light the fire to begin with. Why don't you just let the Virgos do what they're going to do? This they're going to do it anyway. There's certain Virgos in particular, you know. That really it's like, that. Virgos, I know y'all are intelligent. I know you're detailed when you want to be all this. But you can't control the weather. That's all I'm going to say. Even though you think you can, you can't. Okay? Some of them can't control their bowels. But, you know, that's... <laughs> no comment. Oh, yeah. No comment. <laughs> Libra. Oh, Libra. That was my mom. Well, they're going to die. already gone. 
Bless. I, I love you, Storazima. I wonder if she would agree with this. She's going to die by jumping from the diving platform. Oh, no. She wouldn't jump from the diving platform. So that would be... She wouldn't even... She wouldn't want people to see in the bathing suit. Well, wait. You might have to jump because you might have... Serial killer coming up the tower. You don't know what's going on. Oh, that's on. true. You may have your only escape is that way. Or oh. We don't know what the reason is. But Libra's, no matter what. Yeah, and she would want to survive that because she'd want to see the investigation discovery episode about it. What, like ten, isn't it like 10 meters <laughs> She'd want to read the book about it. It's 10 meters up, isn't it? Yeah, like, something yeah. like that. Yeah. 10 meters is pretty meters. That's that's pretty high. That's way up there. How many stories is it? I don't know. I've seen them up. I think they say it's like four stories, isn't it? I think Greg Louganis. Isn't it like four regular stories or something like that? Yeah, something like that. I remember Greg Louganis jumping from that thing and hitting his head. It's Yeah, it's dangerous as fuck. Yeah. And you're talking about trained people. So even when they get hurt, they were taking some measures. I knew what they were doing. Untrained people. (laughs) I mean... Oh, yeah. Yeah, Scorpio. Y'all next. Scorpio. What's going to happen? You know why y'all going ass is going to die? How the ass going to die? Your ass, too. That's my ass. Cave dwelling. I was going to say cave exploring, but by the time... That's that's just what uh, what we say as children. Oh, we're going to explore the cave. But we really just want to, as Scorpios, we want to get away that the hell away from everybody else so we go set up shop in the cave and before you know it either we woke up an animal in the cave that was sleeping there that doesn't want to be our friend and would rather make us dinner or just get us to shut up or we've actually awoken a demon inside deep inside the earth so i mean there you go that's why scorpio's dying cave dwelling all right i actually think i actually could think i mean if they had wi-fi i would really think about a cave dwelling yeah. okay never mind a sagittarius oh oh what you that's gonna, my man what you're gonna do to that poor man now king kong he, he gonna die during, during the potato sack running racing. oh my god the potato sack race is racist oh make sure he's not wearing those sandals oh the sandals <laughs> during the potato sack race he might. <laughs> Lady, I'm dying now. We, I'm thinking of the. Oh, well. Hmm. Well, hopefully they had good French fries uh, before the potato sacks. I yeah, get the French fries first because you know, I got some fresh. That those fresh French race. French fries. Yeah. Maybe, maybe they jump off a cliff. Like, I'm winning. I'm winning. Ah! Yeah. Splat. <laughs> All right. Oh goodness. Capricorn. Lance. Oh, that's your man, Lance. Lance. Guess what he's going to die by? What's he going to die by? Doing arts and crafts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Wait. What you got? Wait. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait, wait. Yeah, he's born on Christmas Eve. <laughs> oh, wait. Oh, yeah. And then, yes. Maybe they'll be in the summer, and camps happen in the summer, so maybe it'll be summer and Ju- Christmas in July night. He'll fall off the ladder hanging up the big old wreath or the bell. Or put the bit of the star on the Christmas tree. Or maybe somebody will will, um, will switch the blunt scissors for sharp ones. 
Or maybe he was the kid that fell asleep with Santa on top of him and Santa smothering it. Never mind. Oh, that could happen. I'm going to leave that, that one. You know, uh, oh, well, I'm, uh, <laughs> Are we calling out his business now? Yeah, <laughs> no. <nah. laughs> I was going to tell a story, but I think I'm saving it for the next part. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Aquarius. We got a couple Aquariuses out there. We were just talking about one of our favorite Aquarius listeners just earlier. Oh, which that one? That we really love. One of our favorite listeners, Godfrey. Godfrey. Oh, hey, Godfrey. So, honestly, if anyone's got to die, you got one of the most fantastic ways to go. Rock climbing. Oh, my God. Godfrey rock climbing. He could he do it. doesn't look like the rock climbing type. He might be able to. Hey, trust me. Godfrey is amazing. He's, yeah, he's pretty resourceful. So you'd be amazed with... Yeah. Uh, well, enjoy your time up there for as long as it might be. Well, the fall one takes a few seconds. Well, yeah, the fall one takes a few seconds. Yeah. Pisces! Ooh. Oh, you know I love my Pisces people. Yeah, we don't even know a Pisces. Oh, I do! Who? She listens to the podcast and they just recently moved. Uh, her and her husband and, and the girls. Monique. Oh. I love me some Monique. Welcome to our pod. Welcome. Uh, we love you, Monique. One of our, one of our listeners. Like we all, love all our listeners. Like all things that Pisces Even the ones do. we hate, we love them too. Yeah. Like all things Pisces do. <laughs> you're not just going to take yourself down, but you're going to probably make sure to take everyone else down with you. During an archery tournament. Oh, my God. You know what? It's probably the second place person. <laughs> it's the winner. <laughs> like in a ghost show, the band, the ghost that hit the arrow in his neck. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God, he probably was a Pisces. I had to think about it. Yeah. Maybe not. I don't know. But he seemed like he could have been, possibly. But anyhow, oh, that is for y'all, Pisces. Have fun with the uh, arrow, bows and arrows. All righty. So we're going to take a break for our Barry Marino Craft Creations commercial that we do every week. And then we're going to come back with our, uh, our story. Um it's a, uh, the last, this isn't really, a, I don't know if you would call this our season finale, because we still have the Harvey Milk episode to go. But it's the next uh, installment of uh, Targeted While Out LGBT Hate Crimes. Yeah. This, is one, this one's particularly sad and very historic. It happened almost 50 years ago. It's, uh, it happened here in New Orleans, where, we, where we're uh, recording from. Yeah. It's uh, the Upstairs Lounge Arson Attack, the Upstairs Lounge Fire. Uh, we'll be talking about that in pretty much depth uh, when we come back from commercial. So we'll see you in a little. All right, we're back. And um, this episode has a lot of um, special significance. We actually know some people who this uh, this particular hate crime touched. Um, you've met some of them, even though you, were way, you weren't even born yet when it happened. No. I was too young for bars. It's really a long time ago. But the biggest significance right now is that today's the anniversary. Yes. We are recording this as we speak, and we, and we, I am publishing it today, June twenty fourth, twenty twenty one. Now it happened on June twenty fourth, nineteen seventy three, and I'm gonna just jump right in. So on Sunday, it was Sunday evening, June twenty fourth, nineteen seventy three, and. Um, 
It was a, uh, the weekend of this Christopher Street Pride celebration, which I believe is the very first uh, Pride celebration. But they were having it yeah. in every American city had one but New Orleans. Um, and the regular beer bus drink special had attracted its usual blue-collar gay crowd to the upstairs lounge. Upstairs lounge was a club located on the second floor of a three-story building on the corner of Charters and Iberville. And members of the Metropolitan Community Church, which was a pro-LGBT, there was no Q on it back then, Protestant yeah. denomination, they were there for services. They didn't have a building, so they had to sell. They had to have their services at this bar at the upstairs lounge. Which, which is, which was nice because a lot of people back then didn't have churches that they were welcome to, and the MCC no. provided that. You and know? most of the churches they weren't welcome to, if no. not all of them. And um, so uh, the MCC was the United States' first national gay Christian fellowship. It was founded in yeah. Los Angeles in 1968. Now, the local congregation used to hold uh, services at the Upstairs Lounge Theater. So they actually had a theater in this lounge where they had drag shows and they did have small, they had little plays. And um, that night's beer bus was from 5 to 7 p.m. We still had beer bus on Sunday nights in that time range. And they attracted, they attracted approximately 110 patrons. And after the drink special ended, about 50, 60 to 90 patrons remained. And they listened to pianist George, Stephen, Bud, Métis perform and discuss an upcoming MCC fundraiser for the local crippled children's hospital, which is which we call Children's Hospital today. I want to talk a little bit about Bud. I didn't know Bud, but I knew his husband, his lover. His name was Rod Wagner. Rod Wagner, by the time I met him, but was already dead. It was in the late 70s. And he had a, a radio talk show that used to come on late at night, all night. It was like from midnight to like 3 a.m. And it wasn't a political talk show like the ones we have today. This one was very, um, this was almost like early social media. Oh, People wow. would call in and they would talk about their lives and about what happened and about what they did that day. And then other people would call in. And then the, 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 all the callers started talking to each other. So they would give Rod their phone So it gave a sense of community. They would give their Rod. Uh, yeah, it was a sense of community. My mom used to jokingly call it a Lonely Hearts Club. Because it consisted mostly of old ladies, older ladies, and teenage kids. Or probably the, the loneliest groups out there. And... You know, because teenage kids, especially teenage kids who might have been awkward and ostracized, like gay kids. Right. And um, it was definitely an early form of social media. And they would have functions. They would have, like, picnics. They would have covered dish dinners. They had a re really big party at the, um, the it was a, uh, the Quality Inn, I believe it was, a 39392 lane, almost uh, Carrollton. Not where the, uh, where the Bayou... Bayou Plaza Hotel was by the uh, it's a, a storage now it's still a little boat hotel but I remember the mm. big party they had there my mom attended yes. and she had the time of her life my I mom, love your mom my your mom, mom and my brother everything. attended and she had the time of her life and everybody was dancing and having a good time and um, Rod used to um, you know he used to he used to have these functions and some of the ladies 
We uh, the, the kids never brought anything. We should have brought food, but I mean, I would down. But we always knew the old ladies had the food. And one lady, Belaton pudding was her specialty, Ooh. and peanut butter pie. And then oh, another so one, good. her brisket was especially. They all had these. Now you're making dishes. everybody hungry. Now you're making everybody. <laughs> listen, what, he's making the list. But anyway, Rod was all, Rod befriended me because I was come sort of coming out. Well, actually, uh, coming out, and I was having problems with my family at the time, and um, he kind of took me under his wing and had invited me to his house. But then he got to be where, I don't know. He was starting to get me. He had this thing for these young hustler boys. He was like about 40. And he liked them 20, like 18, 19, 20, 21, that age. And he was giving, getting me to take them out drinking and have fun with them. And I never got any nookie out of it or anything. I was just taking them out and spending my money on them. And I got to see, like, fuck this, you know. I'm not doing this anymore. But he was, uh, I remember when he would be working, because my first boyfriend I met through this, and sometimes we would spend the night at Rod's house because it was somewhere to go, you know, where we could be together. Let's put it that way. That's the one that said he was punishing himself by having sex with me. <laughs> we, got, <laughs> we got into Rod's slides and found some really hot stuff. But Rod also had a nude painting of Bud hanging on his wall. Mm. So anyway, I found out that Bud had been killed in the upstairs fire and everything like that. He, but I think, I think Bud was only about 20. If Rod liked him, he was probably still in his 20s. I wonder who the artist did the new painting was. I don't know. but I don't know. I, that, this is, we, we talk in... It wasn't a DeRoe, was it? 50 years ago. Well, it wasn't a DeRoe, was it, from his early days? It could have been. It could have been. I don't know for sure. But if y'all anyway. don't know who George DeRoe is, he was he, he he's no longer with us, but he was a Very prolific, recently no longer with us, huh? Yeah. Oh, yeah, because I even remember him. And uh, he was a very uh, prolific artist in the, uh, in the gay community. Uh, just... It, and it wasn't just... Because of the media and what he was doing, it was just he really was an excellent artist. His way in which he captured light in his paintings of and the human form was amazing. What I remember Rod telling me one time about this was uh, yeah, tell, um, the night ahead. of the fire. He said that um, Bud wasn't supposed to work that night, and uh, a regular piano player had decided that um, the regular piano player had decided that he was. Uh, he was sick or something like that. And he couldn't come in and Bud, he asked Bud to cover for him. You're, you're making me feel weird because it's like one of those things where like when fate doesn't work out, it's like ill-fated. And he told Rod, he says, we're going to go to dinner as soon as I get back. And they never Aww. had that dinner. I know. I'm going to start crying if I keep this up. Okay. Well, no, so no, no. It, it's normal if you cry. Yeah. You cry. Like, yeah you it's, very, it's really, really sad. So about 7.56 p.m., a buzzer from downstairs sounded, and the bartender, Buddy Rosman, who I think we just lost recently, he was an Air Force uh, veteran, and he asked Luther Boggs, one of the one of the patients, one of the patrons, to answer the door. Because what they had was, you buzzed from downstairs, and that's to let them know that somebody was coming up, and then somebody 
upstairs would open the door. That was to keep the bashers out and everything like that. You know, they had a little window they looked through. If it was somebody they didn't know or something, they just wouldn't let them in. And uh, so, um, and somebody would just answer the door. They didn't even have a buzzer for the bartender. So, um, when, um, when Boggs, uh, they, they thought it was, and that's how the cab drivers used to do too. They used to buzz them and walk to the door and let them know the cab was there. Mm. You know, they would get out the cab, they'd buzz, they'd go in there and let them know the cab was there. Yeah. Well, when, um, when, when Luther opened the door, all of a sudden, everything was engulfed in flames. Mm. And um, and they, and you know, the whole front staircase was involved, and what had happened is we caught. Wait, and so this was a wait. I just I just I mentioned you were saying so this was a closed thing with the fire going a on. Closed and staircase. He opens it. He opens the and door. And brings the oxygen in. Oh, the, the air condition drew it in because you know the air condition draws in. Right. Ga- so air. when they open the door, it just made it, it work. Just, just like a tinderbox. Just, all it just of a sudden went. was everywhere. Yeah. Oh. And um, I didn't realize that. It's the first time I ever realized Yeah, that. and um, so uh, Buddy Rasmond immediately led some 20 pa- patrons out the back exit to the roof. And the group could access a neighboring building's roof and climb down to the ground floor. But others saw the floor and ceilings and most promising means of escape. Despite the fact that they were safely behind safety bars on the window... With a 14-inch gap between them to prevent dan- dancers from breaking through the glass. So they put bars on the wall Mm-mm. so people dancing that were drunk wouldn't break through the glass. Probably Marcy. Several people managed to squeeze through, some still burning when they reached the ground. Well, Luther- did they change laws because of that later on? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. Go ahead. Luther Boggs was the one who came through the window and managed to squeeze oh. through. It's still burning when they reach the ground floor. And um, he pushed his female friend through the gap first before he came, he went through. And mm. the flames on Boggs were extinguished by the owner of the neighboring bar. But after pushing his feet up, the, the flames on Boggs were extinguished by the owner of the neighboring bar, but he died on the 10th of July, 16 days later, from third-degree burns over 50% of his body. Now, Reverend Bill Larson, who was the, um, the pastor of the MMC, he removed an air-conditioned unit from the bottom of one window of the floor-to-ceiling windows and attempted to get out when the upper pane of glass fell on top of him, pinning him in a window frame, half in the building and half out, and his char remains would remain visible to onlookers. Hours afterwards, that's that picture. That's how, yeah, that famous, yeah, really, really, that's, uh, like, that, that's just horrible photo. You'll see yeah. it on most things, yeah. And uh, his assistant passenger, wow. jo- Pastor George Mitch Mitchell, managed to escape but returned in an attempt to rescue his partner. They considered themselves married based on a civil, they had had a civil ceremony two years before, so they considered themselves married. Mm-hmm. And they both died in the fire. So, um, oh, yeah, Lewis Horace Bursaw, that was the name of his partner. They both fell into the fire, and their remains found hugging each other. They were hug- they, when they found the bodies, their charred remains were hugging, still hugging each other. Mm. Oh, God. <laughs> this, okay. Oh, we need a palate cleanser after this, don't we? And the fi- fire lasted for 16 minutes. And, um... Mitchell's children were visiting him, 
from out of town, and his, and he had left the ch children off at the at the, at the movie theater. I believe they went to see the Sting. It was playing at the Joy Theater, and they had. Oh to, yeah, that's right up. The, they yeah. sat through the movie seven times, waiting for their dad to pick them up, and they never found out. Oh. And, and uh, so, a friend took them to the airport and sent them home to their mother without telling them what happened. And they didn't find out that their father was dead until they got back home. And firefighters were stationed two blocks away, found themselves blocked by cars and pedestrian traffic, and one fire truck tried to maneuver on the sidewalk, but crashed into a taxi. And they arrived to find patrons struggling against the security Well, it let people understand, when we're talking about this, this is really that upper end of the quarter getting... It's still in the quarter, but it's pretty close to Canal. Fairly and close. a lot of traffic. Well, like a block. It's like a block away from Canal. It's very big. A block to this away. Day. A, it still is crazy. Yeah, the Marriott Hotel's right there. I don't think the Marriott was built yet at that. Point. I I remember this exact intersection. I was trying. There's a stop sign, and I'm trying to go across while I'm walking to work, and then some bitch almost ran over my ass. So I'm saying there's a lot of traffic there, and it's only like a block away from Decatur as well. Yeah. So we're talking about a very a congested area. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm sorry. I just wanted people to realize. No, no, yeah. no, no, no. Uh, so 28 people died at the scene, and one died en route to the hospital. Ugh. Another 18 suffered injuries. Including uh, who three of whom three, including Boggs, died later. And uh, before I go into more of the investigation and some of the other stuff, uh, it's a long list, but I want to call I want to call out a list of the deceased. Yes, like we did with with the pulse fire, with the pulse shooting. All right, we had Willie Inez Warren, Eddie Hosea Warren, and James Curtis Warren. That was a mother and two sons. They were two, three straight people that used to just that enjoyed the bar and used to go drink mm. there. Luther Boggs, Reverend William R. Larson, Dr. Perry Lane Waters Jr., Horace Skip, Gretchel, Leon Richard Mapesbles, George Stevens, Bud Maytai, that's Bud, the piano player, Rod's lover, James Hall Hammock, Hambrick, Larry Stratton, Joe William Bailey. Clarence Joseph Mikowski Jr., Adam Roland Fontenot, Ferris LeBlanc, Donald Walter Dunbar, um, where is I? Donald Walter Dunbar, Kenneth Paul Harrigan, uh, Gerald Hoy Gordon, John Thomas Golding Sr., Douglas Maxine Williams, Maxwell Williams, Robert Bob. Lumpkin, David Stewart, Gary, Guy D. Anderson, Dwayne, George, Mitch, Mitchell, Mitchell, the man with the kids, Lewis Horace Broussard, his lover, Reginald E. Adams. That was, you know, we were talking about Regina with, um, with um, uh, Frank Perez on a, in an interview earlier yeah. today. That was Regina's, Regina's uh, lover. Yeah. And uh, what was strange is they were an interracial couple, which was very, very, very forward for those days. Yeah, because being, being same-sex, one thing, or being, in her case, it would have been trans. And so well, been, she wasn't trans yet. She would have, yeah. She, was, she, she was Richard. So at that point, yeah, it would have been same-sex. Eventually, it's still, but the point, yeah, interracial, that time, it was still not frowned upon. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, Thank God we've come Richard a long way. Richard slash Regina... Forgot his wallet at home. Mm. 
And he said, uh, he told Reggie, he says, I'm going to go, I'm going to go get it. I'm going to be right back. And when he came back, he came back to this inferno. I'm so sorry she had to go through that. And then there was Joseph Henry Adams, Herbert Dean Cooley, Glenn Richard Dick Green, Larry Norman Frost, an unidentified white male, two unidentified white males. Which so, they're uh, used to before, so the two of them have yeah, been Yeah, two I'm have not, been identified. I'm not sure which one, the two of them have been named. And that just goes to show the DNA technology has come a long way that eventually we're able to. Hopefully, the other two eventually may get named. If not, they will still be remembered as. Now, the media co- coverage was really weird. Oh. It was um, the coverage of the fire news outlets, including all the major TV stations. Uh, you know, the local stations and everything, they downplayed, they minimalized the fact that LGP, LGBT patrons constituted the majority of the victims, while editorials and talk radios made light of the event. No. And I'm going to tell you a little something that I have a personal, that happened that I have a personal attachment to. This was a story I told on, um, on a Facebook uh, video a few years ago. And I don't know if I've ever told you this story before. It involves my father. Oh, yeah, with this event. Yeah, yes. you did tell me. But, but, go, gonna, but let the you. listeners know. Let the so listeners cover, know. So, um, and no government official made mention of the fire, including uh, Edwin, Governor Edwin Edwards and Governor Moon Landrieu. And um, the director of the uh, Upstairs Inferno documentary, Robert Camila, said, I was shocked at the disappropriate reaction by the city government. The city declared days of mourning for victims of other mass tragedies in the city. It shocked me that despite the magnitude of this fire, it was largely ignored. Now, funerals, this was, this is particularly sad. Oh, yeah. Um, a lot of churches refused to hold funerals for the dead. And the Reverend William Richardson of St. George's Episcopal Church agreed to hold a small prayer service for the victims on June 25th. Eighty people attended the event. The next day, Iverson B. Nolan, the Episcopal Bishop of New Orleans, rebuked Richardson for hosting the service. Nolan received more than 100 complaints from parishioners concerning the service, and Richardson's mailbox filled with hate mail. And soon after, two additional memorials were held July 1st at a Unitarian Church in St. Mark's uh, United Methodist Church. And it was held by Louisiana's Methodist Bishop uh, Finnis Crutchfield and led by MCC founder Troy Perry. He came from Los Angeles to to participate. Mourners uh, exited through the church's main door rather than available side exit a demonstration of new willingness to be identified on camera. And several families did not step forward to claim the the bodies of the deceased. A few anonymous individuals stepped forward and paid, uh, stepped forward on, uh, uh, where am I with this? A few anonymous individuals stepped forward and paid for three unknown men's buried, and they were buried with another victim identified as Ferris LeBlanc, at a mass grave at the Holt Cemetery, you know that's Potter's Field. Yeah. And LeBlanc's family would learn of his death in the they didn't learn about his death in the arson attack 
until January 2015. Yeah, that was the recent one. Yeah, and there was another one. one and then uh, another one that was that uh, 2018. Robert L. Camilla, director of the Upstairs Inferno documentary, announced in the Advocate that after extensive research. One of the three unknown victims could finally be identified as 32-year-old Larry Frost, Larry Norman Frost. Now, the 25th anniversary of the fire was part of the gay pride celebrations in 1998 during Pride, and a memorial service was organized by Reverend Dexter Breach of the Big Easy Metropolitan Community Church, also known as Bucure MCC, and Tony Pisani. Remember Tony Pisani? She was a good friend of mine. Uh, it was held at the Royal Sinesta Grand Ballroom and attended by New Orleans Councilman Troy Carter, who just became a... Um, which Troy Carter just become? Um, he just became the uh, um, congressman, representative, huh? yeah. congressman, for, at the U.S. Congress. The Reverend Carol Cotton Wynn, the Senator, Senior Rabbi Edward Paul Cohen of Temple Sinai, Reverend K. Thomas from Grace Fellowship in Jesus, another gay church. Uh, Perry, Re uh, Reverend Perry and 32 members of the New Orleans community representing victims. And Carter led a jazz funeral procession to the building on the corner of Charters and Iberville, site of the club. Members of the local MCC laid a memorial plaque and wreaths in the grave. Among the attendees was the niece of a victim, Clarence McClowski. All right, I'm going now to a personal story. It's this is very hard to talk about. I gotta, um, you've heard this before, Philip, and yes. it's uh, it's very disturbing to me. It's very hurtful. Okay, um, there was a, um, you know how whenever something tragic happens, people put candles and and uh, yeah, like if the visuals and the and the and the um the memorial site, yeah. So. Um, these three men who were United Cab drivers decided they were going to be cute and ran and kicked all the flowers down and broke everything and threw things away. One of them was my father. The other one was my uncle. And another one was this garbage band that they were freaking friends with named Joseph Kakira, who I don't care, I'm going to say his name. He was a fucking Nazi bigot. And he, he, and he was trash. And I'm glad he's dead, and I think, and I hope it was painful. But um, I'm sorry if anybody in his family is listening to this, but the man was garbage. I'm sorry. So I had heard about this, and I had heard people tell me my dad was part of that. I didn't want to believe it at first, and so I decided I was going to confront him on this. So I went to, um, I was driving the cab and I had to bring the cab back and I went to his house and I said, Dad, I have to ask you something, if this is true or not. He said, what? I said, okay, you remember that upstairs fire that happened in, um, in the quarter back in the 70s? He said, yeah. He says, you know, all those gay guys. I said, yeah. I said, I want you to tell me the truth and don't lie to me and don't open, don't sugarcoat anything. Those men that, who were those men that threw, um, that came, went and kicked all those flowers down? And he started crying. I said, were you one of them? He said, yeah, as I'm ashamed to say I was. 
I said, who were the others? He said, Joe and, and your Uncle Roy. I said, what were you thinking? Mm. How would you like that if one of those people in that building was somebody that you loved? And someone did that. How would you feel? And he says, a day doesn't go by that I don't think about that. And, he's, and he was crying. I only saw my dad cry twice in my lifetime. I only heard my dad cry twice. That day... And the day he talked to me when I was living in New Jersey after Hurricane Katrina, and I think he really believed he was never going to see me again because he, you know, his health was bad and everything, and he didn't know if I was going to get back to see him before he died. And I said, um, I said, what were you thinking? Were you out of your mind? I said, you know, you let that, you and Uncle Roy both let that Joe influence y'all, and y'all, and, and, and your hatred is more important than anything, isn't it? He goes, oh, no. He says, he says, that's something I would never do again. He says, and that's the thing I'm the most ashamed of, of anything I'd ever do. I said, well, okay. I said, well, you know what? He says, I forgive you. I said, holding that against you and being mad at you is only going to make everything worse. I said, I forgive you. I said, but it's going to be a little while before I can actually be around you. So I'm just going to drop the cab off and go. I'm not going to come in and see you. And um, after about a week, everything was okay. It's still. At least he showed remorse, but still, it's it's just it the fact that he did it though. Just the fact that anybody could do that was is still. And just the fact that anybody that, that that shares my DNA would do something like that. Disturbing. It's very disturbing. Of course, I got relatives that would probably do something like that to this day. You know. Well, and, and and you know they say for a lot of people, there's a lot of people out there. A lot of the ones that do the bashing or put, um, they don't really think about things until it's in at their own doorstep. Well, I always and even some when it is at their own doorstep. Well, you know, I told do. my mom about it. And you know what she said? She was a strong believer in karma. She says, you know, he's gonna get it back for that. And then she said, wait a minute, no, he already has through you. Because he wound up with a gay son. Well, I would... I don't want to say you being gay was the... No, but I could have been the victim of something like that. Well, well, the... I think the realization to him hit at home is what we're getting at. Yeah, it hit at home. I don't want to call it... I'm trying to, I'm trying to like, on your behalf, kind of, like, you understand? But, yeah, I get your point, though. Yeah, it hit it... It finally hit at home that... I it, can't even That it could have been it. his own son. It could have been his own son that was in that fire. It could have been. I mean, I was only 15 at the time. But it could have, something like that could have happened years later. Well, look. Anytime. Look, we, t- we talked about, uh, like, honestly, and, th- and this is one of the reasons when they talk about, we were just recently talking about the Pulse nightclub. Yeah. In comparison to Upstairs Lounge. It does show at least the way we mourn and how we respect the mourning has come a long way since the upstairs lounge. Yeah, that's another thing I told him. I said, didn't you even think about the families of those people who were killed? What did you just think? It was just a bunch of queers so that they, they didn't matter? Those queers had families. Those queers had parents. Had children. I know you get Sisters it. and brothers. Those kids at the movie theater, that just that, that yeah, that was my heart. Yeah, that's terrible. So anyway, um... I got a, a little bit lighter tone story for you about this because later on. Well, you need life, no, you needed to tell another, but yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I, well, I, say, I wanted to save this story for after I told that one. Okay. Because just to help people, it has to get breathe. To, it has to process a little bit. 
All right, you remember Marcy Marcel, right? Yes. Okay. Marcy was actually supposed to do the show that day. Wow. And um, she was getting ready. She was getting dressed. She was getting all her drag together. And she turned on the TV and Jezebel was on with Betty Davis. So she got kind of interested and she was watching it. And she looked and she saw, like, oh, God, I don't have much time. I better hurry. So she says, okay, when the commercial comes on, I'll go. So the commercial would come on and then they went back to the movie. So she had to go back and sit and watch the movie. She wound up watching the entire movie and missed the, everything. That movie saved her life. She always says Betty Davis saved her life. <laughs> I mean, right? I would like, oh. yeah. None of us would have gotten to know her if she would have. It, it, that's one of those things where we well, were she just, was somebody. Who we was were so... just talking about how the one guy, oh, was it was named Bud or whatever, yeah, was ill fated. In her aspect, though, fate stepped in. And that's one of those things... It might have been Bud's time, but it wasn't hers. It's it's just, I look at some of those circumstances, and and it always, it makes me feel kind of creeped out. It's like, this person was spared, that person got put in the play. Those things just make me think, there is some stuff to this we do not fully understand. Yeah. You know, but, okay, but go ahead, I'm sorry, I just, I just wanted to mention So anyway, um... There were actually some really terrible things that were happen- happened uh, with the police and with the fire department. And one fireman was heard uh, saying, let the faggots burn. Uh, another one was um, a, a certain policemen wouldn't do any, you know, wouldn't help go rescue the victims or anything. There was some police. It was uh, all this hate and this, th- this whole incident was treated was more or less swept under the rug. That is how how it was for gay LGBT people in those days, yeah. and LGBT friendly people in those days. And th- and that's because it was a mother and two so- straight sons. You're right. And we take for granted. I'm not saying that things are completely perfect now, but w- on both the police force and um, the fire department, we have many LGBTQ plus um, officers and, and firemen now that we didn't have at that time. And uh, and actually, a lot of times you'll see that is now what is required. It's part of that community policing. When we talk, remember just in that bass, we yeah. talk about the bar culture. On that lower end of the quarter, a lot of times they make sure that those cops are actually LGBTQ+. Now, the, the, the Upstairs Lounge was the last of a trilogy of tragic fire yeah. uh, incidents. The first one was uh, called the Ralt Center, which is now the Troubadour Hotel. And if I, the fire was on, I believe the um, there's fire on uh, I forget how many floors. Okay, it wasn't the top floor it was like the third from the top floor. Yeah. And on the floor right above there was a beauty salon. There were all these ladies getting their hair done. And they, were, they, they had no way out. There were no sprinkler systems, no fire escapes. The, of course, you know, the, um, the elevators weren't working. And all I could do is jump. And seven women jumped to their deaths. Mm. One survived. That was in November of 1972. A few months later, there was a fire at the downtown Howard Johnson's, which is now Holiday Inn on, on um, Loyola, is it? Or Loyola Boulevard. It was right around the corner, actually, from the World Center. And it turned out there was a sniper 
He was shooting. Uh, he he murdered the honeymoon couple. He shot the police chief Louis Siri, and several other um, people were killed. The entire police department they took to put take this man down. Wow. Turned out his name was Mark David Essex. He was a mentally ill Vietnam vet. Uh, he was an African American man that had some racial limit. It was hate crimes because he was an African American man that hated white people. Yeah, you know that's a hate crime. You know it wasn't. It wasn't just that it was, you know they were in the. It wasn't like the pizza boy in the neighborhood that got shot. That's not a hate crime. But this man was targeting a certain group of people. Mm. So that's what it was. And then of course this was that was January of '73, and this was June of '73. And these three incidents changed the fire laws in codes, in yeah. Louisiana. We, you know, the sprinkler systems, they all have to have sprinkler systems now. They all have to have a means of escape. They didn't even have cherry pickers to get that those ladies out of that. Um, out, you know, the fire department didn't even have cherry pickers at the time to get those ladies out of that building. Yeah, I mean, it's so much, and it's just weird you're talking about this, because it's like so much when we look back and we're doing research on other cases and other things, the 70s... A lot of things had to happen in the 70s to really get just building codes, period, up to snuff. Yeah, because New Orleans stayed so behind the times during the, yeah. the 20... New Orleans was a major city in the uh, the, the you know the 18th and 19th century, especially in the 19th century. <laughs> well, and of course, which on I think eventually we're going to do, and we look at it, but uh, <laughs> it wasn't until the 2000s we truly looked at what flooding and water could do. Huh? Yeah, like we never, we just accepted some of it up to a point, but we didn't really think how bad really could have been. So that's not that far back. That's within just the last twenty years we've been awoken to what water can do. But thankfully, in the seventies, you're right. A lot of things across the country, fire wise, changed changed what the code was. Well, there's some um, some a few little things on the Wikipedia page that I kind of like to give. Sure. Um, in 2013, 13, noting the 40th anniversary of the fire, a Roman Catholic Archbishop of New Orleans, Gregory Michael Amon, issued a statement of regret that his predecessor, Archbishop Philip Hannon, and the local church leadership ignored the arson attack. Amon wrote to Time Magazine that, in retrospect, if we did not release a statement, we should should be we should have have to be in solitary with the victims and their families the church does not condone violence and hatred if we did not extend our care and condolences i deeply apologize good for you and uh there is there's um when there was it was a movie yeah 2015 the 42nd anniversary of um Upstairs Lounge, Fire, Arson, Upstairs Inferno, a feature-length documentary about the tragedy written, directed, and produced by Robert L. Camilla, Camina, who we mentioned earlier, had its world premiere at the, at the Britannia Theater in New Orleans. I think you can buy it on Amazon Prime, I think. I think you actually can stream it, Or rent too. it. And the narration was... Maybe, per, Yeah, the narration was... Um, was provided by New Orleans' own New York Times best-selling author Christopher Rice, son of, of novelist Anne Rice. 
And um, on February 2017, Upstairs and Ferryland was invited to screen at the Library of Congress. Uh, start, starting with the world premiere, public screenings of Upstairs Inferno have been included in New Orleans Upstairs Arson Anniversary com com Commemorations repeatedly. And in 2017, there was an off-Broadway um, off musical called The View Upstairs about the Upstairs Lounge opened at the Lynn Redgrave Theater in New York City. And... Hmm. And there is an actual, I don't know if we meant, I think we sort of mentioned, I think you did mention it briefly. If not, there is an actual historical marker. There is a plaque on the, out, out there on... Um, yeah, there's a plaque out there. Yeah, yeah, cause with, 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 I think it even had, haven't they put the names and everything on there? I used, yeah, I used to there. bring my tours. To, there were certain yeah. tours that uh, I used to bring to see it. I think they even fixed when this other stuff, I think they were commissioned to actually fix and put the other two new names on there as well. I'd have to go back and check, but I think they did do that. So anyway, um, I want what I want you guys to do is um, go to our Frank Perez interview. That's a, the, the other episode that we recorded today. You'll learn a lot more about the uh, about the history of New Orleans, and um, check out the Upstairs Inferno movie. It's, uh, I haven't seen it yet, but I got to see it. Um, also, um, I just urging everybody, don't do things, even if it's people you think you don't like, even if it's Nazis, don't mess with somebody's memorial stuff. Don't pick at their funeral. Yeah. You know, come on now. You know, and really and truly, I'm this close to calling my dad a hemorrhoid with legs. Because yeah. really, that's what that's what makes us civilized human beings. They actually have all. If we, I know I'm bringing down the anthropology part of it, but like, what made us civilized human beings is when we started to commemorate and respect our dead. Would you look? That was one of the first key factors of how we became civilized humans. So we're asking you to do the same when there, even if you, like he's saying, if someone doesn't agree, when there is death, when there is memorial, let's honor that. I'm still, I, I'm still real, and I still haven't really absorbed my dad doing that. And I found out, I mean, my dad's been dead for, uh, what, what is it, it's 2008, that's like 13 years ago? Yeah. He's been dead for 13 years ago, and it was years before that that I found out about it. And I well, never told him. It's a hard it. pill to swallow to know that your family actually devalues someone, devalues human life. Well, I'm, I, my dad was influenced. I'm, I'm, I'm not making excuses, but he was influenced by that horrible man. And I used to tell him how horrible that man but was. But you understand, just like you're saying, he was influenced by the horrible man. Masses of people can be influenced by someone. To yeah, well, that's, and that's the problem. That's why as well hate groups and everything come in. That's how they start, and it's usually decent people that sometimes maybe feel like they're wrong by somebody. They feel like somebody's getting an op. Somebody's take. My dad used to say things about African American people. He used to say, "If we don't stop them, they're going to take everything from us." I never did understand wow. what they were supposed to take from us. It's the same thing now that they're doing to the immigrants. Like yeah, a lot of you hear these. If we don't say, stop, they're going to yeah. take everything we have. Nobody wanted anything you had. <laughs> so anyway. Uh, Check out Frank Perez's uh, interview, and um, 
You can follow us on Twitter at A Shutters, uh, Instagram at Open Shutters Podcast. Our Facebook business page is Open Shutters, a creepy podcast. Our Facebook group is the official page for Open Shutters, a creepy podcast. Uh, we have, what else we have? Oh, Patreon, right? Uh, www.patreon.com slash open shutters. And our email is openshutters at yahoo.com. And I'd like to hear back for some people how you feel about this. And uh, don't, I know if, even if you discussed it about what my dad did, don't blame me for it, please. That's all I ask. Because I'm as disgusted by it as you are. So, well, Philip, it's been quite an episode, hasn't it? Intense. Very intense. So, once again, we want to remind you, enjoy the view from the open shutters. But don't fall out the window. Unless you're knocking down flyer, fires of dead people. Then you can fall right into the fire. Or unless you're saying, let the faggots burn, fall into the fucking fire. Thank you, you guys. Bye-bye. Thank you, bye.